It's been a couple of weeks, Kelly. I hear you're racing this weekend. Finally, after it's been seven months since I've finished a triathlon. Wow. Seven months. How are you feeling about it? I'm a little stressed. That's a really long time. I'm like worried I'm going to forget, you know, how to get on my bike. But I was just talking to somebody, one of my friends who's going down with me. And we were like, you know what? Either way, it's like five hours of pain. It's a slow course, guys. It's five hours of pain. And then, and then you're done. And I think, yeah, once you're out there, you're going to remember how to do it. I mean, it's a triathlon. <laughs> You'll be okay. One would hope. Let's I have hope. faith in you. When we weren't recording last week, though, you finally, finally launched the Women's Summit, which I mean, I'm not involved with, but I was hearing was coming. Yes, the out, to get the full name. Here we go. <laughs> it's Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit presented by Triathlete Magazine. And yeah, we launched it yesterday officially with a press release and we even have a few people signed up. So yay. But I, so I haven't really, I mean, you told me about it, Aaron, who runs Triathlete Magazine, like told me, but I haven't really been involved. What's the point, Sarah? We have so many (laughs) conferences already. Why do we need a women's triathlon conference? Well, I don't feel like we have too many conferences, but okay. So (laughs) the reason I wanted to do a women's summit is because I feel like there's a lot of conversation and opportunities in triathlon for women who are coming into the sport for beginners. And that's a super important, but that we're ignoring all the other levels. Like we're ignoring trying to encourage more women into leadership positions. We're ignoring the fact that triathlon industry is terrible in terms of gender equality. Um, We're ignoring the issues with the pro women. There are so many conversations to be had at those next levels upwards from beginner um, at all realms of triathlon. So those are the conversations that I want to have at the summit. And I want to hear from leaders and I want to encourage women. Like I want the women at the conference to come away with leadership skills as well, or to feel empowered and to network with other like-minded people. So that is the point of the conference, but we talk about it more on the Iron Women podcast. Basically this week for anyone who missed it, it came out yesterday and it's basically a whole episode about it. We had Erin Barasini, who, you know, the editor in chief of Triathlete Magazine, and she basically helped it happen and, and helped that partnership come together. As did you, Kelly, you got to mention on the podcast. All right. So. I was like, Hey, Erin, meet Sarah. Hey. Yeah, that's it. Sometimes yeah. that's it. The golden handshake, man. <laughs> woman (laughs) so okay all right all right i mean i'm probably gonna come i I will be there so kelly will be there guys kelly will be gals (laughs) okay so coming up on the show we talk about iron man texas we have a voicemail from a listener and of course kelly's mom we talk about the women's triathlon in the ncaa the pros and cons and the fifth place woman at boston who doesn't get paid and then afterwards we have a little would you rather inspired by Alyssa gadeski Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc. with a K. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. 
I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Iron Man, Texas, you were actually there because you and Ashley did a ton of Facebook live coverage. So tell me what it was like, like what I mean, I heard about it. I followed a little on the Internet. Give us the on the ground scoop. So for me on the ground, my experience was that it was just it was so fun. I mean, we I don't know if you saw any of our videos, but we were I saw you guys dancing. Yes. Ashley was teaching people to line dance. We even had some of the pros come to the interview knowing they were going to be asked to line dance and like practicing the dance ahead of time. So like people really like brought it to the task. Did you ever line dance as a kid? We had to do that shows where I grew up. We had to do line dancing in gym class when I was in like fourth and fifth grade. We did dancing like some kind of country dancing, but it wasn't I don't think we did line dancing. But when I was in, and then I was in the Middle East and there was no dancing, but in Scotland, (laughs) in Scotland, we did like my last year of high school in Scotland, we did like Scottish dancing. So I've had some dancing in gym class experiences. The one video I did really like the interview you guys did with Meredith Kessler. I know. Wasn't that interesting? She was so open. Well, so for people who didn't watch it, I mean, she talked about coming back after a C-section. But the thing, one of the things I thought was crazy, she was talking about her kid, whose name I can't remember right now, Mac, Mac, isn't bottle feeding right now. So she was like really worried, like he like won't. And so she was really worried about breastfeeding him and racing. Like, how do you breastfeed a kid while you're racing an Ironman, right? Mm -hmm. Let alone like your boobs getting bigger and sore and harder as you're going the whole day. Yeah. But then personal discomfort. Yeah. Then I didn't even think, I mean, and then... Hillary went out and flew out and like took care of breastfeeding him during the day. I thought that was crazy. Like I was like, that's insane. Hillary Biscay was basically her wet nurse. I think it was really cool, actually. Like a lot of people on the video were commenting about it takes a community and all of that. And like we talk about that, but this is like true community. Next level. Next level. I was I saw Hillary was going to Texas. I was like, why is she going? <laughs> there you go. That answers. There that. you go. And then and it worked out for them. So yeah. Good for them. Did you see any of the shit showness of Iron Man Texas though? Because it was kind of a shit show. So we didn't see very much. It was actually that section of the bike course, which is most of the bike course, was super hard to get to. And I had never been there before. So even just looking at the roads the night before the race, I was kind of the part you're saying the part that was particularly shit showy. The shit showy section, yes, which is like the Hardy Toll Road, I think it was called, which is the main part of the bike course, but it was hard to actually get to in a car once you were parked right, near the right, transition. Right. So we kind of struggled to get there. Part of me thinks like maybe Iron Man was banking on that, but everybody afterwards, everybody was talking about it. It was one of those times, you know, where like everybody was basically talking, like, you know, if there's a hot race, everybody's talking about the heat or whatever the vibe is, but literally it wasn't, there was nobody there who was like, oh yeah, I didn't notice. You know, I thought it was fine. No, I mean, did you see the video? So I shared in the newsletter a video of from the traffic cam on the road. And I accidentally shared the whole two hour video, but we'll include in the show notes here, like the actual video of just the crash. Mm. And it's crazy. There's like, it's like a Peloton and then someone goes down and just like wipes out the whole. And if you're like the legal distance behind that, you got wiped out too. 
for sure. And crash. I did see the video. I think that I think there were multiple crashes, but I know there was one. I a friend of a friend was involved in one where a pack was overtaking a woman who went. I think that was this one. Yeah, yeah. I think that might have been this one. Yeah, and the guy who took the brunt of it was this friend of a friend and his we saw him on the run and honestly i couldn't even look at him i had to turn away like his there was something like his eye was like looked like it wasn't attached like the yeah. skin around his eye had been removed it was crazy it was crazy that he finished first of all and then secondly just that that it was unsafe like i don't think I don't think the drafting is as big of an issue as the overcrowding and the safety issue. To me, that's a much more important thing that Iron Man should be really looking at. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about it in these ra- in these races that are bad because, you know, they're flat because there's too many people on like a big highway road. We always talk about it as a drafting issue because, you know there'll be a pack or there'll be lots of packs, but it is also just like, it's an overcrowding issue when there's literally more people than can legally fit in the distance. That's not like a drafting problem. That's a a crowding problem. That's like a math problem. Like I said in the newsletter, like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like it's one of those things where you can't expect people to be racing and also breaking the whole time. Cause in order to keep that distance apart, Lots of people would have to put on the brakes lots of times. And when people are racing, they're just simply not willing to do that. So sometimes people aren't actively trying to cheat, but more just like unwilling to slow down their own race. Even if you do slow down, because I have been, as you know, the pro women's common problem is like these swarms of age group men that like will suddenly engulf you. And so Mm -hmm. I will like, and you'll sit up and you'll be like, okay, I'm going to drink some water now. Fine. And then it like slows down right in front of you. Or then like another group goes by, like there's nothing, you know, you can't slow down the entire 112 miles. Eventually you're like, guys, like get the fuck out of my way. Mm -hmm. Particular problem with age group men passing women side point. Yeah. And that makes (laughs) it, yeah, that makes a different kind of problem. I remember, you know, in Ironman Brazil, the year that I won, I think like now people are seeing these images of Texas and you but at the time I thought I've never seen anything like this in my life where like Brazil's one of those countries where the slower athletes don't do Ironman. If you do Ironman, you're, you're really fit, you know, and, and everybody goes, not everybody, but most people go 12 hours. That's kind of like nine and a half to 12 hours. And everybody's on the same piece of road at the same time. And I came up cause I had raced the week before. So on the back half of the bike, I was kind of gaining momentum. So I came up on the back of a pack, like in one lane, we all had to fit in one lane of traffic. And I came up on a pack of I swear it was about 200 people. There was nowhere to go. And there was an, an official right there. And I remember saying, what am I supposed to do now? Right? Like there's literally, and 200 people, imagine the draft zone behind that. Oh, I know. Like, where are you supposed to go? There was nowhere to go. And that's, I think there were probably people in those types of situations. I think, you know, there- it's unpleasant. It's unpleasant too. When you're in, like, you're, you're like, I want out of this. This isn't what I signed up for. Right. What am I supposed to, because I had a similar I don't generally do these kinds of like I do like hilly races Mm. because that's like my thing. So the only one of these I've ever done that was like this was Kona. And I had a similar like I mean, it was one long, giant pack. There was no I didn't see literally a single person on the road in front of me who was legal or anywhere to go. And I got a drafting penalty and I like look and I'm like, oh, shit. Right. Like this is a big deal. You trained for this all year. I was like, oh, shit. I got it. Like and so I pulled all the way to the left side of the lane to be like, see, I'm not drafting. I just can't go anywhere. This is on the climb up to Javi. Like I can't go. And then another motorcycle pulled up and was like, you're blocking, get mm-hmm. back over to the right. And yeah. she pointed to where I should go directly behind another cyclist. And I literally turned, I was like, 
I almost started crying. Yeah. I was like, what are you? I don't know what to do. And I think when we put people in these situations, like I left Kona a little disillusioned and being like, this is stupid. Like, this is dumb. I don't want to do this again. I didn't know that the first 10 miles aren't even officiated, right? Like it's like essentially draft legal, like for the age groupers, you're like, this isn't appealing. And I think people leave Texas and think like, I don't want to do this again or leave Brazil and like, like screw it. Like this has happened a number of times where we talk about drafting after a race, but I really do hope that something can, that this or well, this (laughs) can trigger (laughs) Iron Man to try to find a solution that's going to work for all the races where this happens. I mean, this happens in Arizona. This happens in Frankfurt. It happens at Ironman Austria, Western Australia. There's lots of places where you have the same problem. So this is not the first time and people are going to start to get sick of it. I do think there are some specific things you could do, right? Okay. Oh, you have solutions? Well, I mean, I don't know that anyone's Iron Man. If you're listening to me, here are my solutions. Okay. I mean, obviously lapped courses are worse. Arizona is so bad because it's three loops. And so everyone's just running like that's an overcrowding problem. You literally can't have that many people like there's not the space. Right. I think that the rolling start to a degree has also made it worse because you have so many like you cram together all the people who are the same speed and they're all getting out of the water around like in a smaller window. Whereas before when you had the waves spaced out like, yes, then you had the problem of like slow athletes intercolliding with fast athletes. But the fast athletes were more spread out. Like the people of the same speed were spread out over a larger amount of time. Oh, that's so, interesting. you see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. essentially what you're coming down to is a math equation. Like how can you fit X number of people in X amount of time over X space, right? And if you shrink the window of time that everyone is getting on their bikes, it fucks up that equation. So that you could make that amount of time longer by spreading out the wave starts more by having, you know, have an elite amateur start and then have a gap and then have like age group wave starts have, you know what I mean? Like there are ways to do this, like spread it out longer so that, but you'd have to have permits that went longer. You'd have probably have to have higher registration fees then to cover like more road closures. You know what I'm saying? Like these kinds of things, if you cap the number of athletes at a thousand, which would also help, those athletes will probably end up having to pay more. So like all these things are doable, mm-hmm. but I feel like it has to be one, like come from the athletes and it has to be something we push and like want and are willing to make the changes. Does that make sense? Totally. Like you say, there are a few different ways you could go with solutions. So you could keep the bike course open longer and spread people more out as they start, mm-hmm. like you said. And then the second one would be having less people on the course. Those are two really good solutions. I know when we used to, that was the issue with the pro women is when Triequal used to advocate for what we called fair starts, which effectively meant a bigger gap between when the pro men go and the pro women go, and then a bigger gap from the pro women to the age groupers. But that theory, theoretically, you could apply that across the whole race. You could apply it across the race. People need to be spread out. I mean, sometimes we only get like three minutes on the age group men starting. And that's, that's insane. Like that's a joke, right? Like that's not a fair race. That's ridiculous. It is. Well, let's hope that change is made. Change is coming. Change is coming. Change is coming. Okay. Well, actually your, um, your mom had something to say about this in her recent voicemail. So let's hear from her. Hey, Kelly's mom here reading the newsletter. I love the essay about how drafting is a choice. But math, math is not a choice. Particularly like the ending paragraph. 
um, that it's on individual athletes to make the best choices available to them, but it's on race organizers to give them choices that make some goddamn sense. Because you know what? You know what sort of choice athletes are going to make? They're going to choose not to do your race. So fix it. I hear we uh, also had a voicemail from Lisa about my thoughts on heart rate monitor straps. Heart rate monitor straps. You know what? It's funny because Lisa's not the only one. I had someone else said to me, Kelly, I can use heart rate monitor straps without getting chafed. So let's hear from Lisa. Hi, Sarah and Kelly. This is Lisa from Denver. I'm just calling to say that I might be the only woman, apparently, who has never chafed from wearing a heart rate monitor strap. I will say, though, that I can never get it tight enough and it perpetually falls to my waist, which is extraordinarily irritating. If I do cinch it tighter, then I can't breathe. So there apparently is no happy medium for me. But chafing, thankfully, is one thing I have never experienced. And I wore it in the Boston Marathon last week in the torrential rain when chafing was likely to happen and it didn't. So I am extraordinarily pleased about that because that would have just been another nail in my coffin for that race. All right. Thanks. Okay. So this weekend was also the collegiate nationals and women's triathlon is becoming an NCAA sport. What's the difference between, I'm sorry, I'm Canadian. So just forgive me for a minute here. What's the difference between the collegiate nationals and the NCAA championships? Oh my God, Sarah. So many things. So when I learned how to do triathlon, which was in college, it was a club sport and a club sport is not regulated by the NCAA. There aren't scholarships. Well, I mean, typically there aren't, there isn't money for club. Like, it's kind of just like something you do as a hobby. It's like any club, like I'm in the French club and I'm on the triathlon club, right? It's not a division one. It's not an NCAA sport, but it was getting when I was doing it 11 years ago. And then when I did it as a graduate student, like five years ago, it has gotten very competitive. And it was huge and really big. And like a lot of the people in this club sport were going on to try and like make the Olympic squad and stuff. So a couple years, I don't know how many years now, I'm trying to remember, it was like 2014. They got approval to try and start making women's triathlon and NCAA sport, which then would be under the purview of like a regular college sport. It wouldn't be a club anymore. It would be like football or basketball or any of the other, you know, things you see on TV, their proposal is for sprint draft legal triathlon. Like that is what is going to become an NCAA sport. Okay. Um, and is it right yeah. that they need 40 universities to join this? Yes. And they have 23. Is that right? 23 so far. Okay. And so on the, you know, on the outside, this seems like a good thing, right? So it would bring more interest to triathlon as a sport. It's creating opportunities for young women. And we know that there's a direct link between opportunities that Title IX provided in educational institutes like universities and, for example, the women's team success at the Olympics, the Olympic level. Right. So those are all kind of good things you're creating stepping stones for women into high level sport. I understand, though, that you like you see some of the downsides to it. I'd love to know what some of those are. So I don't know what you guys have in Canada, but or if you even follow the NCAA, but the NCAA has some issues. Are you aware of the issues the NCAA has? Not really. (laughs) There are a lot of different issues that come up regularly. There's certainly like corruption issues. There's like obviously sex abuse issues that come up. Basically, anytime there is, you know, a lot of money and power being put into something, it distorts that thing. I'm not saying those things would happen to triathlon. It's just that once it becomes NCAA, could distort the original spirit of like welcoming everyone. But then more importantly, 
it does very much limit who gets to do it. It becomes a, a scholarship varsity sport. And so it's only going to be, you know, the elite, like the kids who are elites in high school are the ones who are going to get the scholarships, not like, oh, come learn how to do triathlon in college. Let's say a university has, there's has a division one team for the NCAA women's triathlon. Does the club- ASU is the only one that has a division one varsity team right okay, now. Okay, so if it has any division varsity team, does just for the sake of the question, does the club level team cease to exist or does it impact no, no, no. it somehow? That's what no one knows for sure if it will impact it or not, but it can still be a club in the same way, you know, I went to UC Berkeley, right? We had a varsity soccer team that had the best soccer players and like got scholarships. We also had like rec soccer and you could just play soccer and there was a club soccer team. So it will still have that. What no one's sure about right now is how it will affect it in this transition because one, no one knows what's going to happen to the guys, right? If like the women's right. is varsity. Secondly, the college, the club competition has been a really, really big deal and has gotten a lot of, you know, sponsors and attention and media. And like, this is an opportunity for kids who wouldn't be scholarship athletes to get a lot of attention. And no one knows if that's just going to go away, right? Like, are we still going to have that? I, it's, it's not clear. It also will really push emphasis on draft legal is like Olympic distance racing still going to be a thing. It's just, it changes it. And college try has always had this reputation of being like a party we used to drink before we went to swim practice. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying it'll be a different vibe. I, think, right? I don't know. I feel like NC, I don't know. I was on a varsity swim team for one year when I was. And did you guys drink before practice? Yeah. Or like from the <laughs> night before we were still drunk on occasion. Right. On occasion. It happens. It happens. Anyway, I just hope that collegiate try like keeps its, its heart. Sarah. Right. Okay. I can understand that. That's a good, you've convinced me of that to keep it like, keep its grassroots feel. Right. Okay. So in Boston, let's just talk about this for a minute. At the Boston Marathon, the fifth place woman did not get paid. Tell us why. Okay. All right. I'll explain the details and then we can discuss, but then I, I have to bitch about something. But first the issue is the fifth place woman was not an elite. And so, I mean, as you're aware, as we both know, you know, you can only win prize money. It's awarded by who crosses the finish line first, right? We don't go off chip time. We don't go off any of that bullshit. You have to be in the race if you want to be in the race. Like you can't be sitting, Right. You can't be sitting back there in one of those age group draft packs and then explain how you would have won Kona if only you no, like, no. Right, 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 right. So, yes. So it's not the first five people across the line. It's the pe- first five people in the elite category, right? Right. Well, it's the first five people across the line. The women's elite category at Boston starts 30 minutes before Mm -hmm. everyone else. The men's elite category just starts at the front of the field. So theoretically, even if you're not in the men's elite category, if you're like right behind them, you could still be the seventh or eighth or whatever man across the line and win the money. But the women would have to make up the 26 minute or whatever it is deficit. Right. So that's not going to, that doesn't happen. Like it's not. So I think the issue was then that in the men's race, any of the men basically could get prize money if they were good enough. But in the women's race, you had to be in this elite category, which to me doesn't feel like equal access to the money. Right. Okay. Okay. First, I have a rant. Side point before we, I tell you why you are wrong. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay. Give us the I heard a lot of people this week, and I've heard this before, say, oh, it's not sexist. It's just the rules. I'm sure you've heard that kind of argument about a lot of things that are sexist. Mm -hmm. It's not sexist. It's not racist. It's just the rules. Rules can be sexist. That is what institutionalized racism means. When there is a rule that says you can't have interracial marriage, that is fundamentally a sexist rule. To say like, oh, we're just following the rules, it's not racist or right. it's not sexist, uh, is idiotic. And that's what we talked about with Jock Semple, right, a few weeks ago. Right. That like, anyway. he, was, he wasn't sexist, he was just following the rules by taking I, Catherine Switzer off the course. Right, but the rules themselves can be set. So right. that's my rant. I'm not accepting that as an argument anymore. That's but in this case, in this case, but in this I case, it's just the, the rules. rules. No, I don't think the rules are fundamentally sexist because we want like putting a women's heat 30 minutes ahead of the men was what we wanted. That was for gender equality because that gives them a clean race. That gives them more media coverage. That makes the man and the woman finish around the same time. We would love in triathlon if the elite women got an eat like a 30 minute head start yes. on the elite men. Like we would want that. Yes. So it seems like, you know, so problematic okay. to think that that's not right. Okay. So here's my question then. Why do we have to have one and not the other? So instead of saying that everyone should get paid, why not say only the elites can get paid on both the men's and women's side? end of story then you still have like equal access to that prize money yeah i think that i said in the newsletter i think there's only two ways to fix this and yeah you could just start the elite men five minutes ahead of the masses and make it be that which is you know how triathlon works like it is what it is or you could and i think i think this is a more interesting solution sarah oh a more interesting solution uh, yes go on so essentially in the men's race at boston it's really just any of the men who are in that first wave could maybe make the top 15, right? So just make the women's elite wave essentially also plus wave one, like make the qualifying to be in that wave easier. In essence, make it elite plus first wave of age groupers. Does that make sense? Oh, so when the women go off 26 minutes earlier that the elite amateurs also go off in that early way. Yeah. Let them go too. make it the equivalent of having the elite age group men starting right behind the elite men. Like just make it a bigger elite women's wave. Who cares? It'd be like 50 more people and it would make it like, it would make it more interesting. It'd make it more equitable. It'd make it, make it more interesting. That is a good solution. That is a good solution. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in agreement though, that, things should be applied equally, that it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not about the fifth place woman not getting paid, but it's about the fact that you have one set of rules for the women and one set for the men. That's not quite, doesn't quite make sense. Okay. So stay tuned because after the credits, we are going to do a little segment that we would like to call, would you rather? We would like to thank our sponsors, Ask Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at AskKickerInc, Inc. with a K, dot com. And Crave Jerky, Crave with a K, dot com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. Awesome.
time, my time None of you people can tell me to stop This time, like the last time You better get ready to race to the top I'm ready to do this Show you what the truth is I step on the field, it's time to get real I'm feeling so ruthless So I was riding with Alyssa, who hosts Iron Woman, two weeks ago, and she likes to play Would You Rather. She texts me Would You Rather sometimes. And so her Would You Rather, while we were riding, so I'm sponsored by Xterra and Cliff, like in triathlon, right? So this was like specific to those two companies, but you could extrapolate. She said, would you rather eat only Cliff products, like bars, gels, fancy fruit roll-ups for the rest of your life, or wear only Xterra wetsuits, swim skins, like you can do sleeveless for the rest of your life. Now, I went the food because you can't like go to a meeting in a wetsuit, right? You're not going to be taken seriously at business conferences in your like swim skin. She went wetsuit because she wants to eat food. Yeah. I mean, okay. So for me, it would have to be, I don't know. I'm not sponsored anymore, but it would have to be F2C Nutrition because <laughs> they're like our big partner with Iron Women and Live Feisty. So it would be like, Eat only, drink only, F2C nutrition. Right. So would you pick that or having to wear a wetsuit for the rest of your life? Oh, man. I feel like I can't answer it without dissing my sponsor. But like, I'm sorry, F2C nutrition. <laughs> you would go wetsuit? I would go F2C. I don't know. Wetsuit, skin suit, maybe? No, I would get go. cold. No, I, maybe I would go F2C. They have those green. Yeah. See, and no one knows. Exactly. Protein. It would sustain you. It would be great. It'd be fine. And then, yeah. And then you could like walk around like a functioning person you with your smoothie. Kind of it would be like a, it would be like a future thing, you know, where your meals are in like a. Exactly. Like your meals just come in this little packet. It would be like an F2C nutrition greens plus pharma protein, whey protein packet. You just have that for your meal and you're good to go. All right. Exactly. All right. Okay, so people let us know which one you would pick. <laughs> you can even send us a voicemail. Send us a voicemail by sending us an audio note and you too can be on the show. Our podcast partner, Crave Jerky, is hosting a Find Your Fit contest from now through June 2018. All you have to do is post a selfie while working out. That should be easy for our listeners. And you could win $300 in gift cards from Flywheel, Class Pass, or Gaiam Yoga. And of course, Crave product. Use hashtag Crave Better and hashtag Sweepstakes Entry. One caveat though, you must be a US resident, 18 years or older to enter. Also, hashtag Live Feisty so we can see your entry too. Details will be posted in the show notes for this podcast on livefeisty.com. <laughs> 